Good morning. Good to see you. Glad you're here. We're in this series uh, that I actually started last week in the book of Jonah. And so for it's a four-week series. We're in week two of a, of a four-week series on the book of Jonah. Uh, and it's my goal and it, it is, is my hope uh, that after we walk through all four of these weeks that you will never look at the book of Jonah the same again. That you will look at it maybe in a little bit of a different light. And so many of us know the story that the story of Jonah is about a guy that, that uh, didn't want to do what God had asked him to do. And so as a result of that, uh, he ran. And so God sent a whale to swallow him. And then Jonah had some struggles with God. And, and, and so that's kind, of, that's kind of where it ends. And so today I want to help you understand the focus of the book of Jonah. The focus passage of the book of Jonah is Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, and we'll look at it in detail a little bit later. But let me just give you a heads up. It's, it's this issue, it's a statement that salvation belongs to the Lord. In other words, what God is trying to help Jonah understand that people matter greatly to God. People that we agree with, people that we disagree with. People that sin differently than us. People that have different political stances than maybe we do. People who have different lifestyles than maybe we do. But God is trying to convince Jonah to understand that, guess what? Salvation belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. And people matter greatly to God. And so Jonah, God came to Jonah, and Jonah called God to go to the city of, or Jonah, I got that backwards. God called Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh, which is like the capital city of Assyria. That's where the Assyrians were, and the Assyrians were like, like, they were like hateful, mean people. They were guilty of all kinds of, of war crimes, all kinds of blatant, in-your-face sin and rebellion against God. And so Jonah call, God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, tell them that there's a God who loves you, that he sees what you have, you're doing, and unless you repent, bad things are going to happen to you. And as a result of that, Jonah didn't want to go because Jonah believed, you know what? They don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve God's salvation. In other words, their sin is too great and they do not deserve the love of God. And so as a result of that, Jonah runs. And so, so Jonah goes to Joppa. Uh, he boards a, a ship there uh, and goes to a place called Tarshish. Tarshish was like a um, a seaport city on the Mediterranean Sea. It's where like all the cruise ships would leave out of and so that was a great place to go and so Jonah goes to Tarshish and so uh, and he's going in the opposite direction that God had told him to go. God had told Jonah to go 500 miles to the east and so what does Jonah do? Jonah goes 2,500 miles to the west. He felt like he could flee from the Lord. He felt like he could get away from the Lord. And so Jonah began to run, and, and God was not going to let him hide. And so God shows up, and God shows up in like the, the fury of a storm. And so the sailors on the, on the ship found out what Jonah had done because Jonah had confessed and told them that he's the reason of the storm. And then through a series of events, and we'll look at it, <coughs> the sailors threw Jonah overboard. And so that's where we, that's where we left off last week. Jonah is like floating in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea uh, because really and truly he didn't believe everybody deserves God's grace. That God loves everybody. That people matter to God and they matter greatly to God. And so Jonah is flo floating in the middle of the, the Mediterranean Sea and the title of this series is Never Say Never. Uh, the title of the message is Never Too Deep. In other words, you're never too deep for God to reach you. You have never sinned too greatly for God to reach you. 
See, Jonah believed this. Jonah didn't believe that. Jonah believed that some people can be too deep for God to reach. Some people have done some things that are so horrific and so bad that God's grace, God's forgiveness cannot cover them. And so Jonah is floating around in the sea and, and, and like he had given up. He had given up on God. He had given up on what God had called him to do. And so Jonah had totally given up. And he's floating in, in the sea with no promise. He is not aware that God is going to save him. In other words, he's panicked. He feels like he's over his head. He doesn't know what to do. And I, I, cannot, I cannot imagine that fear of drowning. I cannot imagine that situation, right? The, the closest that I've ever witnessed to that was just here, here recently. We were swimming with, with my kids and, and like my grandkids. And, and, uh, and that's always like great fun. And so our, our youngest, Nessa, and now I'm able to use names. So last week I, they had a rule, you can't use names of grandkids. Uh, so they happen, they happen to be scrolling on Facebook and, 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 I, and our service was streaming right when I said I'm not allowed to use names. And then so, of course, all the grandkids perked up, and Gavin says, I can tell he's talking about me, Mama. I know Pop-Pop's talking about me. And so then they, they, they took a vote, and they says, he can tell names now because we know who he's talking about. So I'm good now. So NASA is probably more information than you want to know today. <laughs> so NASA decides that she wants to quit swimming, so she gets out of the pool. Uh, she takes off her, her life vest, and so she's eating an ice cream sandwich or doing something. And, and so... Um, so through a series of events, um, she decided that she was going to get back in the pool, but nobody knew. And so Nessa makes her way back in the pool, and, and I, happen to, I happen to witness this from a distance. Everybody in the pool is visiting. Nobody's aware that Nessa's stepping into the pool. And so I, I could see what was going on, and I'm like trying to get someone's attention, but they were having way too much fun. And so, uh, so Nessa now is hanging on to the side of, of the pool, and she's like making her way around. And I'm like, no, don't let go. And so, so I, I'm like making my way towards her because I couldn't get anybody's attention. And all of a sudden, I was about six, ten feet away, six to ten feet away. Nessa decides to let go of the pool, the side of the pool. And I watched her sink because uh, she's, only, she's only three. I watched her sink, and I watched panic and fear come over her face. I mean, it was like, you, you know those situations where things start moving like in slow motion? That was one of those deals. And I could, I could see the panic in her face. I could see her thrashing and trying to do something. I could see fear in, in her face. And so, of course, I, I went down and, 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 and scooped her up and became the hero. And like, what is wrong with you guys? And so, uh, and, and she, was, she was like, fine. But, but I saw the panic and the fear in her face of what was going on. Jonah must have had that same panic. And Jonah must have had that same fear. Jonah was in the midst of a crisis that several different times he admitted it's his fault. He admitted it's his problem. Listen, just because, just because someone admits the storm is their fault doesn't mean they're going to do anything about it. Doesn't mean they're really going to acknowledge it. You see, Jonah knew that the storm, the storm in my life, it's, it's my fault. And so the question is, have you ever been in too deep in your life? Have you ever been panicked? Have you ever been in fear? Have you ever felt like, you know what, I'm not going to survive this crisis. I'm not going to survive this storm. You see, with Jonah, the ocean is like swallowing him up, and he knows he's running from God. He knows it's his fault. But you know what? He thought he could outrun God. He thought, you know what, I can get away with this. God doesn't care that I don't show love to the Assyrians. God's not going to do anything about it. And as a result of that, I, I can simply 
run from him. He disobeyed God. And the, the consequence is so critical. The consequences of his actions put innocent people in danger. He's, he's on this boat with sailors. They'd like done nothing. But the consequences of Jonah's actions, the consequences of Jonah's sin affected them. Listen, there's no such thing as a private sin. The consequences of our sin, of our actions, of our decisions can take a family, a church, an organization, friends into a storm with you that they did not cause. That they were like innocent bystanders. See, this is what is so critical for us to understand, that our sin, our actions can affect the people around us. See, this was, this was Jonah. Here is Jonah. He's a preacher. He had been to seminary. He had been trained. I mean, he, he taught the Word of God. He stood before people and taught the Word of God, talked to them about the mysteries and the things of God. We know in 1 Kings chapter 4 and 2 Kings chapter 2, we know in his history that Jonah not only heard from God, but he would deliver that message and he would, all, and he would do what God asked him to do. And now all of a sudden you have Jonah, this preacher, that God tells him to do something. It wasn't an issue that Jonah didn't hear him. It was a totally different issue than that. It was an issue that Jonah heard him. And he said, you know what? I don't care. I'm not doing it. The Assyrians, their sin is much worse than mine. You know what that is? That's religious pride. That's developing a religious spirit to where you kind of think, think you're better than someone that doesn't attend church. You think you're better than someone that sins differently than you. You think you're better than someone that's going through things that you've never experienced. And so here is Jonah, and Jonah comes to the place to where he tells the sailors, he says, you know what? I'm the cause of this storm. I'm the cause of this issue. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to throw me overboard. Now, that's crazy, right? Why didn't Jonah just jump? You ever wondered that? I called up a sailor buddy of mine, and I said, so is there something I'm missing here? Why didn't Jonah, why didn't Jonah just jump? And he goes, oh, you, you don't understand sailors. He says, sailors, even since the history of time, sailors would take an oath. He said, as a sailor, we take an oath that if anybody falls overboard or jumps, we rescue them. They would have been bound by an oath. They would have been bound by a pledge. They would have been bound by a commitment that if Jonah had a jumped, they would have had to rescue him. You know what's happening? These sailors were saying, Jonah, we've done all we can do. We can't help you. It's, it's between you and the Lord. Actually, it was a sign of great love for Jonah that they would pitch him overboard. I think so many times, and maybe you've prayed these prayers. I think so many times we, we pray against the will of God for some of our friends or loved ones when they're headed into a storm, and we're like, God, take, just take the storm away. Just take the crisis away. When he may be behind the storm, he may be behind the crisis to try to help them understand there's some things that they need to change in their life. They need to come to the end of themselves and begin to trust him. So the sailors, they were probably glad to pitch him overboard because the storm would end. And Jonah understood that it was his dis disobedience that caused the storm. And he had, he had no expectations to be, be saved. And he had to felt like a failure. 
He had to have come to the place that he was running out of air. It was dark and it was desperate. It's over. He, he had to think, you know what? It's over. We pick up the story, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, and here's what the scripture says. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Do not miss that. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, you heard my voice. Somehow Jonah survives three days and three nights. In like this, this fish, and don't let me pop your VeggieTale bubble, but it may not have been a whale. It may not have been a whale. We, we know in the Hebrew it's a different word than Job used about Leviathan or sea monster. When, when you look at the Hebrew word, the belly, it simply means this. It doesn't technically mean stomach. It simply means this, a place where you're totally and completely engulfed. This simply means that Jonah is totally and completely engulfed with his crisis. He's totally and completely engulfed with his storm. In other words, this is all Jonah can talk about. This is all Jonah can think about. fact is, all the recorded conversations that we have of Jonah on the ship was about the storm, about his, his actions with the sailors, strangers. See, this is a place where we get in a storm or we get in a crisis and we're totally engulfed with the crisis. We're totally engulfed with the situation. And as a result of that, we start using words like I am overwhelmed or I am overcome or I, 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 don't, even, I don't even know what to, to do. And see, this was Jonah. And so, so we know that a whale being a warm-blooded, uh, oxygen-breathing mammal, we know Jonah could have survived because as a mammal would come up or the whale would come up, if it was, uh, it would come up for air and Jonah needed air. The warmth of the, of the body of the, of the fish would give Jonah warmth that he would need. And so we, but, but at the end of the day, we don't know how it worked. We don't know how he survived. We don't know how he lived. Uh, but Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And so let's, let's don't get hung up on the fish. Let's don't get hung up on how he survived. Let's don't get hung up on did it really happen? Did it not happen? Let's don't, let's don't miss the purpose of this story that Jonah is quitting on God and God is not quitting on Jonah. Jonah had quit. And Jonah had given up. Listen, even, even though he is running from God, even though he is in disobedience from God, listen, let me tell you this morning, based on authority of his word, you are never in too deep. You can never go too far. For his love, for his forgiveness, for his acceptance, you, you cannot escape his love. He is pursuing Jonah even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience. Verse uh, Jesus believed this happened. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, a couple of times. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in, in the heart of the earth. Uh, again, Jesus says in, in Luke eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. So Jesus, three different times in Scripture, reversed, refers to, to, to Jonah being in the belly of a fish. Jesus believed it happened. In fact is, when he was talking to Jewish believers, they knew the story. 
And the crowd that he was speaking of, they could, they could put two and two together. Just as Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, so will Jesus, the Son of Man, be in the grave for three days and three nights. He will be resurrected for our salvation. And some, so some will read this story. And if you're like me, first glance when I read this story, I, you know, you're reading this story and you, you look at Jonah being swallowed by a fish. And, and you, you, if you're not careful, you would say, well, was, was, that, was, that, was that God judging Jonah's disobedience? fact is, it's just the opposite. God sent that fish. God sent that storm. God sent that crisis. Not to punish Jonah, but to rescue him. Listen, God loved Jonah even in his disobedience. God became to Jonah his rescuer, his savior. And so God appointed a fish, and I had a joke for that last night, and I used it twice, and like you could hear crickets. So my wife says, maybe you should can it. So <laughs> if you have to explain, explain a joke, it's pitiful, and that's what happened last night. So I'll save myself the humiliation. Jonah really and truly deserved death, and God showed him grace. Talking about a God that pursues someone even when they think they're in too deep, even when they think they won't survive the storm or the crisis. And so Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and so you, that, that gave him a lot of time to ponder and think. Um, it's amazing that it, this is just for free, it's amazing that it took Jonah three days and three nights in the fish to start to pray. I think if I'm at the reservoir and a big fish starts swallowing, swimming to me and swallows me, I'm praying as I'm going down, right? I may even start praying as I see the fish coming towards me, not Jonah. It like, it like, it waited, he waited three days. And so, but, but here's the principle, and don't miss this. Jonah knew it was because of his disobedience that the storm came, but he still didn't change. Listen, just because you or a loved one or a friend or a relationship knows the storm, the crisis, the situation is their fault, doesn't mean they're going to change. Crazy, right? Even if they're like Jonah, even if they have those moments that they say, I, I admit, because Jonah did several times, I admit it's my problem, still doesn't mean that person is going to change. Just because a person knows that the storm, the crisis is their fault because of an action, because of a word, because of something they did, doesn't mean, listen, does not mean they're going to do anything about it. They may just be upset, right, that the crisis is there. They may be just upset that the storm is there. Jonah knew and he'd admitted, this is so fascinating to me. Several times Jonah says, you know what, this storm my fault. So he, he gets on the ship with, with the sailors. You know what he does? He tells them when the storm, when the storm starts, uh, starts, hey, guys, my fault. I, I'm running from God. I'm living it. He even admitted I'm living in disobedience. When he asks the sailors to throw him overboard, he admits again, it's my fault. You guys throw me overboard. Guess what? The storm will stop. When he's floating in the sea, again, knows it's his fault. When he's in the fish... He knows it's his fault. Listen, sometimes people don't change until the storm gets greater than their pride. That's why Proverbs tells us pride always goes before the fall. Pride always goes before destruction. 
because it's an issue of pride. Because you have to humble yourself, not only to admit it may be your fault or it is your fault, and then to humble yourself and take corrective action to change the situation. That's why a lot of times we need true friends. We need true friends like, like Jonah had. See, the, the sailors got it. The sailors under, understood it. And the sailors came to the point and says, you know what? We can't save him. We can't help him. Only, only God, only God can deal with this. Only God can break this pride. Only God can get Jonah where he needs to be. So guess what? We're, we're just going to hand him over. We're going to trust God with him. In other words, saying, you know what? We, we, we've done all we can do. Listen, just because you know you're the problem and you're the one causing the circumstances doesn't mean you're going to do anything about it. Jonah at the core, he doesn't want to obey God. See, this is what the human heart is like in rebellion. Man, a lot of times we're good with God speaking to us in life journaling moments when he encourages us and supports us and gives us that, you know, that refrigerator verse that is just like awesome. But when we push back is when he corrects us. When we push back and when he corrects our attitudes or our actions, the way we view people, the way we don't view people. A lot of times we want God in the room and we want, him, we want to know he's with us and he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. But many times we, we just want to quiet God. We want God just to bless our plans like, it, like it's his will and, and we move on. And that was, that was Jonah. And God lovingly waited Jonah out. From the story of Jonah, just know this, that God will sustain you in the midst of a storm, that you're never in too deep, and God will, make, will bring you to the place that you need to be. See, this, this storm, and don't miss this, this, this storm in the fish was for Jonah's good, even though it didn't feel good at the time. Jonah could have stopped it at any point. He could admit it on the, on the ship when the, when the storm started, started. I'm in disobedience. I, I surrender to God. I'm going to do what God told me. And yet you see the storm heighten. You see the pressure gain. And let me ask you, have you ever been in a dark time in your life where, where you have finally come face to face with yourself, your actions, your thoughts, your attitudes, who, who you are with God, who you are with the relationships around you? If, if you've ever had that moment, you know that can be a defining moment in your life. When you look at Jonah's life, you realize this was a defining moment in his life and he was never the same. And Jonah had this unique chance to, to surrender to God. And so Jonah's in the, in the belly of the fish and, and he prays. And, and so we're going to read his prayer. It's a rescue prayer. And so we're going to read that prayer. We'll walk through it. But here, here's what this tells me when Jonah prays in the belly of a fish. That tells me that I can pray anywhere and you can pray anywhere and God will hear you. If God heard him in the belly of a fish in the midst of his crisis, God will hear you in a church service. God will hear you in your home. God will hear you in the depths of a storm. Here's Jonah's rescue prayer. I believe that, that after he reflected on this defining moment, he, he wrote his fish story. He wrote his rescue prayer. This really isn't a prayer. Well, let's just read it. Verse 1, Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, remember, after three days, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and, flooded, and the flood surrounded me. 
All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet we know you're never too deep. That's what he was feeling. Yet I, I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, I have learned you're never too deep. When the life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I had vowed. I will pay. And this declaration of faith, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah understood. Man, how many of us could sit down and write a story like that? How many of us could say, you know what? It was a storm. It was a crisis in my life. It became a defining moment in my life. It was a crisis in my life where there, was an, where there was a situation or circumstance that God reached me. How many of us could like make that summary statement like Jonah said that, that even though I didn't see him, even though I thought he was far away, God is, was at work in my crisis. God was at work in the storm. God is at work in the circumstances. Listen, you are never too deep for God to reach you. Even when you feel desperate, even when you feel overwhelmed, even when the circumstances and the pain is like wrapped around your head like seaweed, even when you're engulfed in this storm. Nietzsche said this, he said that a man can endure tor torture if he knows the why of his life. Jonah would say it's deeper than that. Jonah would say, I learned to endure not because I knew the why, I knew the who. I knew him. The who is much more important in your life and my life than the why. Without knowing the who, without knowing God, you will never know the why of life. And Jonah said, I endured because I knew him. I endured that you could never be in too deep. He is enough to sustain me. He is enough to sustain me then and he will sustain me now. And Jonah came to this place and he understood, left on my own, I will I'll be destroyed. I will drown. And he has this rescue prayer. Just one quick thing is this. When you're in darkness, you need to pray honestly and expectantly. When you're in darkness, you need to pray honestly and expectantly. In other words, you have to be honest with God and you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest about your storm. You have to be honest about your circumstances. Listen, especially when you are experiencing the same storm over and over and over. God will take it from a Category 1 hurricane all the way up to a Category 5, if he has to, to bring you to the place that he wants you to be. Verse 2, he says, And say, and so I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. In other words, God, Jonah was honest with God. He said, Help me to see beyond the darkness. Help me to be able to see a, a deeper. Help me to be able to see your love in the darkness. In other words, he expected God to not only hear him, but he knew that he could trust God and he could be honest with himself. Jonah didn't say, you know what? Help me out. I'm struggling. Jonah used the word sheol. Sheol is a deep Hebrew term that has deep meaning that simply means this. It means darkness. It means death. It means emptiness. It means loneliness. Man, when you realize left on my own, I will be destroyed, that is a good place to be.
Verse 5, he goes on, he says, The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And yet, yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. This is a prayer of deliverance. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. Verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. I remembered my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. In other words, the worship of false idols will lead to an empty life. There's just so much truth packed into this verse that if you, if you spend your life worshiping false idols, you forfeit knowing the heart of a loving God. Sometimes we trust in things that cannot help us. Our intellect, our talent, our looks, our image, materialism, success, shallow self-seeking relationships, fame, careers, financial success. But at the end of the day, isn't that just paper and glass? If you trust your life to all this stuff, man, you're going to miss out on knowing God and his unfailing love. See, Jonah in this prayer is saying, you'd be crazy not to follow a God like this. You'd be crazy not to follow a God that pursues you even in the midst of your storm. Verse 9, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. So salvation belongs to the Lord God. I was wrong about the Assyrians. Jonah is saying, my life is grace and salvation, and sal- is grace and salvation belongs to the God. God, who, who am I to determine who gets salvation and who doesn't? See, Jonah developed a religious spirit, and it was destroying him. See, he thought he was better than the Assyrians, and they didn't really deserve grace. He was like, you know what? I, I know I'm not perfect, but my sins are small compared to theirs. Sometimes we can be challenged by this when people sin differently than you. Could God give grace to those people who have wronged you? Could God give grace to those people who have betrayed you? Could God give grace to those people that you haven't forgiven? Could God give grace to those people who sin differently than you? More public than you? There's a survey recently done about church and to to non-church people, non-Christians, they ask a group of non-Christians, when you think of Christianity, what do you think? Morals or forgiveness? Can I just tell you this? It's just heartbreaking. Everybody said morals. Nobody said it's a place of forgiveness. There's a church is the last place you want to blow it. It's the last place you want to blow it. It's a sweet thing to realize when I need just as much grace as anybody else. See, a religious person has been jaded and cynical cannot break, their heart cannot break for people who sin differently than them without some condescending tone and like you're better than them. I would never do that. How did they expect their life to turn out any differently? If they were better Christians like me, they wouldn't go through that stuff. Compassion and empathy and sacrifice. Learning to love your neighbor as yourself. Religious people a lot of times will say justice for them and mercy for me. After all, my sins are kind of insignificant compared to to theirs. So many times we can get disappointed when someone is not punished as we think they should be. And we expect God's grace in our own lives, but necessarily not in the lives of others. 
And Jonah came to the place where he realized, I need just as much grace as anyone else. Jonah realized that he didn't love the Assyrians because he didn't think God's grace could reach them. Jonah realized, verse 10, it was when the storm ceased. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. Jonah, God will keep you in the storm. God will keep you in the darkness. Not a moment longer than he has to. If you're in darkness and if you feel like you're in too deep, know that you're in never too deep for God to reach you. And he wants to teach you something. I'm going to share a personal story, then I'm going to close. We, we moved into our house in 1997. We've been there ever since. We had some really great, we have some really great neighbors uh, that live to the side of us. And uh, Dallas is his name. And Dallas is 69 years old. And every evening, Dallas would fire up the old Harley and drive to Beulah and back because we live right behind Ron Colley Middle School. And he'd fire up the Harley, go to Beulah and back. And it, it was like relaxing to him. A couple of weeks ago, he left out on a, on a normal motorcycle run, and when he was dropping down into the canyon coming into Beulah, he lost control of his motorcycle, single, single motorcycle accident. It was in the paper. Many of you may have read this. He lost control of his motorcycle, hit two guardrails, and he ended up in, in a field. Um, his family knows that, that he, he passed away on, en route to the hospital, uh, to Parkview Hospital. Um, Karen and I attended his, his funeral. Uh, it's interesting. Dallas was a, a, a soul care minister for his church, King of Kings Lutheran Church right down the street. And so there's, there's always that thought for the family. What was it like for Dallas in his darkness and his crisis? I came to church last night, and I was walking into the 5 o'clock service. One of our deacons, Darren Long, stopped me. And he says, I, I got to tell you the story. Lena Mather, who goes to our church, who's a soul care minister, wants you to know this and thinks it's important. And Lena right now is on her way to Alaska with the Alaska mission trip. He said, <coughs> excuse me, Lena came up on the accident. And so she felt led of God as a soul care minister. She pulled over. She called 911, called the authorities. And then she walked out in the field and sat with Dallas. And Dallas was still alert. He told, her he, was, he told her he was also a soul care ministry. They exchanged some stories. She held his hand. She comforted him. And then as the paramedics arrived, she prayed with him. I'm telling you, even in the midst of your darkness, in your crisis, God is with you. What comfort that story has brought his family. What comfort that experience brought Dallas. What is your fish story? What is a crisis that you walked through in your life where you could say, you know what, that was a defining moment in my life. It was through a storm where there was a divorce, where there was a health issue, where there's a financial issue, where there's an illness, where there's a deep hurt, pain that someone caused you, that you could say, you know what? It was through a friend. It was through a friend that just, a stranger, 
that walked out into a field and held my hand and prayed for me. It was through a friend that called you and encouraged you. It was through a friend that prayed for you and supported you. Maybe it was from a child that taught, taught you about God. Maybe it was a worship experience. Maybe it was a worship service that you were in and, and you felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm like the only one in this room. And God has been, had sp spoken directly to me and he reached down and he reached me. Maybe you're in a storm right now. And maybe God keeps amping up the storm. Trying to get your attention. Even though you may know it's your fault. Doesn't mean you're going to change. Even when you're in too deep. Even when it's your, it, it is your fault or it is not your fault. God loves you. And you are never too deep for him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?